Hi, everybody. Welcome to Bottom Line with Bob and Kendall Ehrlich. Boy, it's a whirlwind out there. <laughs> it's amazing how you're able just to flip the switch there. If you only would have seen her five minutes ago, everyone. All right, we're going to get to that in a second. We're going to get to the eight million pound monster in the room in a minute. Calm down. <laughs> it's a very historic time. Yeah, and not, not in, a, in a good way. way. So this week we're going to review real quickly the first 90 or so days of a House Republican majority, and then we're going to get into the Trump indictment. What you're about to say shows how important yeah, good point. having the majority really is. For those people who say you can't get a lot done, which you can't to some degree, but... You can set the predicate. It's a nice list. You can you can lay a foundation. So if you were Kevin McCarthy 90 days ago and you were looking at all the press and all the media and all the who struck John and he can't get the votes and he's weak and everything that we know went down with regard to the mainstream media, I think you'd feel pretty good about what we're about to say because for the past 90 days, we've seen, again, the Republicans lay a political predicate. Now, we know that most of these bills will not pass. There's a Democratic majority in the Senate. There's a Democratic president. But just a few highlights. On process, what would you do? You'd set up a committee on the weaponization of the federal government. You would set up a, a committee with respect to the malign activities of the CCP. You would repeal proxy voting in the House. You would reopen the People's House, the House of Representatives. You would kill the District of Columbia's proposed soft on crime reforms. You would repeal the 87,000 new IRS agents. You would terminate the COVID quote unquote emergency. You would pass a parent's bill of rights. You would repeal, you using the Congressional Review Act, you would repeal a new Labor Department ESG regulation. You would repeal EPA wetlands regulation uh, that expanded federal jurisdiction. You would pass an energy bill to bolster domestic energy produ uh, production. Also, this is a huge issue, babe, and it's a little bit esoteric, but the permitting process with regard to the federal government is arcane, burdensome, hyper expensive, uh, ridiculous in many respects. And Republicans have passed this bill in order to start a dialogue with Democrats in the Senate, some Democrats at least, who are sensitive to this issue. Permitting reform is a huge issue with regard to energy development in this country. What also would you do? You would uh, prohibit the CCP's purchases of U.S. farmland. How about that? Something you've talked about a lot, Mrs. Ehrlich. It's on my mind a lot. On oversight, hearings with regard to oversight, you would uh, look at the chilling of free speech rights, not just on campus, but in our culture at large, especially the role of government and big tech, as we discussed. Concerning COVID, you look at the origins of COVID, the government's response, the actions of the CDC and other government agencies, the CCP's cover-up. Uh, you would look to the damage to our economy and our school systems and our school children. A bit of Monday morning quarterbacking here, but still very important, very, very important with regard to congressional oversight. You would look at Afghanistan. Uh, you look at what advice was given vis-a-vis uh, -vis the military and our president. 
President Biden and the new administration at the time. Which gives a glimpse into the military and how it's operating or yes. not operating currently. Well, in this case, it appears the generals gave good advice and it was ignored by the President of the United States. Uh, Biden's decision-making, um, what we left behind with regard to assets and people who had helped us, our diminished reputation around the world, and the fact that no one, no one has been fired for this debacle. Not one person. On the border, you'd look at the Trump record versus the Biden record. You'd look at the reversal policies that were working under President Trump. You'd look at damage from fentanyl and the sex traffickers and the hurt to our local landowners and local labor markets. You would also begin to look at how Hunter Biden was able to do his thing all these years and all the dollars that were exchanged in the process. The bottom line is this. As we've said many times on our show, Republicans are doing this to lay a foundation, a predicate, if you will, concerning the lead up to the 24 race. In some cases, D.C., for example, they actually achieve success. Most of the time, these bills are not going to pass, but they do reflect where the House is with regard to the Republicans, where the party is for the most part, mm -hmm. and again, as an assist to whomever's going to be the Republican nominee for president. So after everything that was said by the press, all the bloodletting, everything we discussed on our show and other shows, uh, it's been a pretty solid, very solid start, I would say, for Kevin McCarthy and this House majority. And what I'm really impressed with is the degree of team. Yes. We haven't seen uh, very conservative, very real conservative members and more moderate members at odds. Uh, the Freedom Caucus has been part of the process here. That takes a lot of, as we know, as we know from our experience in Congress, a lot of backroom negotiations. It's been very unified. It's been conservative. It's been America first. And it's something I think we can all be proud of as Republicans. So let me just say, I think you're trying to make me feel better. And I appreciate that <laughs> because I really like this list. And it does lift me up for a few minutes. Well, right I'm going to bring you down right now. History. I'm bringing you right down. I'm going to take you right well, down. Hold on just a okay, second. Right. Let me just say a few things. And, and the other thing is, I agree with you about the unification and maybe the sort of beginning difficult time of him becoming speaker was actually an important exercise to get to the point where we and the team could be united in a front that is important. Let's just say this, as things progress, and I know we're going to talk about the elephant in the room, but as things progress into 2024, I think really, we say this all the time, but 2024 is probably the most important election in our lifetime, because our country is very divided, very pro-American versus pro world woke <laughs> woke culture and uh, sort of a world economy viewpoint as opposed to America America first America is a superpower 
America as the land we know when we've grown up in this wonderful place. America first or America declining. That's our choice come 2024. Now. And... And there's going to be no in between, by the way. As it we, is going to be, as we discussed last a time, very divided situation. Yeah. It's A or B. It's A or B, and there's not going to be a middle ground. Now, here we go. At the risk of upsetting my wife for the rest of the day, let's just Week, review month, <laughs> year. year. Let's just review real quickly things that we know by way of background. Many books have been written about the 2016 election. I wrote a book about the 2016 election. It did not go the way it was supposed to go for the mainstream media, for the establishment left in our country. Donald J. Trump was the uninvited disruptor. He faced a hostile media, hostile establishments from both parties, a hostile bureaucracy, Hostile, <laughs> period, <laughs> if we could characterize the response to Mr. Trump. He faced investigations from the jump. He was not supposed to have won, so the mindset was set, well, he really didn't win. There has to be a rational explanation as to why someone like Trump could win. So we had the Russian fiasco, the Mueller fiasco. But, but these things were all, to use a term, trumped up. They were all trumped up against him. You're getting ahead of me. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can see sometimes we don't practice the exact. <laughs> well, it makes the show interesting. <laughs> yes, it does. People like that, I think, I hope. I hope. Well, investigations again from the jump. Russia, 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 Ukraine phone call, January 6th, fill in the blank, alleged crime, Hillary Clinton going around saying she really didn't lose, all that stuff. So what he represented was problematic enough. And at times, he was his own worst enemy, as we know. And we've made that comment many times over the years, both on air and in public. So today, there's one thing we know for sure. This is by way of introduction. Numerous power centers in America wish to ensure that Donald J. Trump never gets to run for president again, because if Donald J. Trump gets to run for president again, he may be the next president of the United States. Which would continue to disrupt their world order plan and, again, diminish the values that this republic was built on. Okay, now... We argued a little bit the other day, not really, but in our way, because you're always accusing me of getting into tall weeds sometimes on debates. And But I do think it's important that there's been so much written, but most people don't sit down and, and truly have time or the inclination to know the most salient facts. And what I've tried to do, babe, is just distill everything down so that our listeners will understand the most salient facts in order to form their opinion. And what, this is what's a legal analysis, okay. Well, basically. This I mean, second part here is, yes, we've gone over the background. So here we go. So Stormy Daniels, uh, adult actress, 
alleges a fling with Donald Trump in 2006. And by the way, before I get further into this, Bradley Smith and Wall Street Journal the other day had a great article setting forth a number of the facts of the case here. So I would recommend uh, you read that. Trump becomes a candidate 10 years later, and Daniels demands dollars to keep quiet. In turn, Michael Cohen at some point delivers $130,000. The transaction was recorded on Trump corporate books as legal fees, quote-unquote legal fees. This type of alleged violation, so what the prosecutor is saying is this is a violation. It was wrongly recorded, and that is a business records misdemeanor, minor crime, statute of limitations, two years in New York. Okay, pretty... Pretty uneventful to this point. But and not he, something ethically you could, you could, first of all, many people passed on this. Well, statu- that, well I'll, I'll get okay. to that. The okay. statute's run, though, okay? The statute statute's is run. run. It's a two year statute of limitations on a misdemeanor. So, in order to make this case, in order to do what Bragg's doing, he has to make it a felony. So, what he's done is allege that the business records violation concerning the cash, was designed to conceal another crime, a felony, in this case a federal crime, an illegal corporate contribution because the $130,000 was corporate dollars to a federal campaign. And we know, everyone basically knows that you can't contribute corporate dollars to a federal campaign. So he's tied the statute of limitations uh, problem here concerning the misdemeanor to a felony saying that oh no no it's not just that it's not the misdemeanor this was a cover-up of a federal crime and the federal crime being the corporate dollars to a federal campaign so that's that's sort of the genesis now Bragg is most specifically arguing that this was a campaign contribution meant to influence a federal campaign right to the cover-up was to benefit Trump and his campaign. So it was illegal money to help Trump in 2016. But here's the problem, and here's what people need to understand. The campaign finance law says that an expenditure or contribution is not a campaign contribution if it exists irrespective of the campaign. And those words are really important here even if it benefits the campaign. And what that means is the the hush money was irrespective of the campaign. It still could be paid regardless of the campaign. Now, we know there are campaign expenditures, paying a pollster, uh, paying your staff, paying for ads, everything, right? They are because of a campaign. But a private settlement of a civil dispute is not that. And that's the issue. And that's the high burden of proof this prosecutor has to meet in order to go forward. Well, listen, he publicly stated in his campaign that he was going to take down Trump. And it just seems that piece, piecemealing this. Okay. <laughs> you obviously, you're, I know you want to get to this, but we're going to get to all that in a minute. Okay. <laughs> piecemealing this together is unethical and that's that's section three we're coming to that okay (laughs) i love it this is great 
We do talk all the time. We we're married. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I want to before we leave this. This is the most salient point here. The most relevant fact was the obligation created by the act of campaigning. And there are lots of obligations created by the act of campaign. But not this particular paying one. Paying your pollster, right. paying your staff, renting space, paying for ads, all that are a direct function of running a campaign. Selling a civil dispute is not. That's the bottom line. Okay. Now, and your point, this is why Federal prosecutors and previous state prosecutors, Cy Vance, in this case, declined to proceed. Now, Section 3, your points. There are issues here. And the first issue is, as you just said, pride campaigned on getting Trump. (laughs) Right. Which is a problem. It could be an ethical problem. It's certainly a perception problem. He literally campaigned on getting Trump. On picking out a particular person and and putting the crime to the person. I mean, that is so against your oath as a prosecutor. And all of these Soros prosecutors are all like this. In a way, Soros has been brilliant in, in helping people that could care less about the ethics. You do not, as a prosecutor, campaign on a promise... To get a particular person. To get a particular person, person period. It, it, it's, it turns our entire system on its head. Second issue for him. This is a soft on crime Soros guy. Right? He regularly jettisons felony counts. <laughs> he doesn't like felony counts. <laughs> so <sighs> he does not prosecute minor offenses is the point, his office. And he's run, he ran on that campaign. Third issue, as we discussed, statute of limitations for misdemeanor has run. That's a real problem for this prosecutor. Fourth. So here we are, another charade, like Russia, 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 all yeah, of it. Well, but this is real serious. This, this is the kind of charade where they book you and take your picture and you face a jury potentially. Fourth issue, House Republicans. Now, you would say, well, House Republicans have nothing to do with this. But if there's a federal connection, the House Republicans may have something to do with this. So the House Republicans want to know what communications took place between the Department of Justice and Bragg's office and were federal funds involved. That's the federal connection concerning House Republicans. And that is an appropriate subject for oversight. Bragg has, of course, declined cooperation with the House Republicans and their request for documents. There's a shocker. As do as as had the whole administration. And again, there's no consequences for that. There's no consequences anywhere. It's driving me crazy. <laughs> I think our I think, I think our folks are getting that message. You look nice today, by the way. <laughs> uh, fifth issue, a gag order. And gag orders are not uncommon to the process. But are you going to gag a former president and potential future, future president, president and a candidate, a present candidate for president on the basis of these facts, you're going to issue a gag order. And on the basis of these facts, I mean, we really look like a banana Republic at this point. I mean, this is what 
third world countries do. They imprison their candidates to ensure that a particular party wins or that the particular party is picking the the candidate for the other party. And and this is embarrassing worldwide. It is embarrassing to our system. We have the best justice system in the world. And it's just putting it completely on its head. It's an incredibly sad situation and sad time for America. You wonder how legal immigrants who came here right. to escape socialism and communism. How do they feel? To achieve freedom in a country of laws. How do they feel? Now, I know we haven't been to China in many, many years, but we went when you were in Congress. Yep. And what was the most notable thing about it? No courthouses. <laughs> Anywhere. It's a police state. And and guess what? Start noticing every little town you go to in America, there's a courthouse. Yep. And that's what this country was founded on brilliantly, yes, by men, and in in a in a way that needs to be supported and protected. So the rule that's of, our mission. You're talking about the rule of law. Twenty twenty four. Our fourth chapter of this ongoing saga is the politics. You've seen the polling. Most of Americans, and by the way, a significant number of Democrats see this as political, which is a real credibility problem for the National Democratic Party. It looks ugly, it looks political, it looks cynical, it looks personal, and it looks desperate. As people who believe in the system, you, as someone who's lived this system professionally for decades, the grand jury leaks make it look even worse. Will somebody at some point prosecute a grand jury leak? <laughs> Please. It's supposed to be secret. My God. So you have that background, those facts, those immediate repercussions. And did we mention President Trump's raised almost $8 million the first mm-hmm. three and a half days here? that number will continue to increase the more people see this as a political, not prosecution, but persecution. Well, and again, though, he also hopefully will uh, behave in this situation as a defendant. So he far, has so the good. ability to maximize the Maximize politics. the unfairness of this yeah. without getting into the fray. And hopefully that will be the case because that's the clearest way to view this. And the system will play itself out. I'm always hopeful that this system works. And in in many ways, it has worked for him. Now, in hindsight, of course, Russia was a hoax and the Wuhan lab leaked and on and on and on it goes. Um, Afghanistan was a debacle. Let's get back to the politics, though, for a second, because... We've talked about how this looks, and we've talked about the polling to this point, early polling, but it looks bad. Not for the president. What could be equally bad, and in many cases, is is the impact on independence. My prediction, our prediction, is really easy to make. Most Republicans see this as a persecution. The left progressives are celebrating. How this impacts folks in the middle, how this impacts independence is going to be the determining factor here. That's just the fact of it. And we haven't seen enough 
numbers with regard to, to that issue. But and, or, and and we're also way far out. Or, or, absolutely, but the politics is it looks bad, and then when you compare it to other <laughs> other problematic individuals for the Democrats today, especially Hunter Biden, it looks worse. The laptop, the taxes, the deals, the trips, the, the money. money. And then you compare it even to Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton, the National Democratic Party, helped pay for the Steele dossier. Her campaign paid a fine for that. Did you know that? Her campaign paid a fine mm-hmm. for that for that misstep. Well, so third point with regard to the politics. If you're looking for a an event to emphasize to power your narrative the republican narrative in this case the politicization of the political process the demonization of donald trump the anything goes to get trump if you're looking for a chapter to support that theory (laughs) you can't have anything better and again a lot of people in this country the majority of folks in this country are seeing it as such so again the impact could it help Trump in the short term? Sure. Will it help him with the base? Sure. Does it hurt Ron DeSantis? Yes. Does it hurt everyone else in the potential Republican field? Yes. Because again, Trump sucks all the oxygen out of the room. Now, not his purpose in this case. They want that, but it could come back to bite them based on all of this. And I predict that this next election will have the largest turnout in American history. If Trump's on the ballot, you're right. (laughs) From our perspective, save this country. Well, again, and we'll close with this. You're going to see a lot of polling. You're going to see a lot of who struck John. Fox is going to be crazy. Newsmax is going to be crazy. MSNBC, CNN, they're doing their victory lap again. Folks in the middle, independents, Folks who lean lightly left, lean lightly right, they determine election results. How they feel today, next week, next month, next year is what really counts. Buckle up, everybody. It is going to be a wild ride. Thanks for listening. Godspeed. Godspeed.